Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for social media consultant Tia Myers. Living in New York, there's so much life that's possible. And I tried to be very good at cutting off work at a time because with freelance, you could literally be working every minute of every day to make more money and you're just going to get burnt out. It's a daily hustle, so networking never ends when you're freelance, which I love and is exhausting at the same time. That's one of the things that brought me to creating my own community called Freelancing Females. Yeah, so there is Tia over in Brooklyn in New York, and she is not just a social media consultant, but she's also the founder of Freelancing Females, which is a very popular Facebook group and community, which seems to be growing all the more all the time. Uh, so keen to hear about that, like running both of those and how she got started and how it's going. That's coming up in a moment. She joins a long list of guests that we've had at beingfreelance.com. Over 100 guests for you to listen to. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you always get the new ones, but also filter back through the old ones. And if you've been listening for a while, I would suggest that some of them are well worth another listen. Uh, Also at the website, beingfreelance.com, sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on what we're up to, including uh, new events. I've just agreed to do another talk at the Doing It For The Kids meetup, which is coming up in London in May. So yeah, anyway, details at beingfreelance.com and on the newsletter. Uh, You've also got the vlog where I document my freelance week including me going on a a business trip. I rarely leave the house, but I went up north in the UK to spend time with a client, to spend a day in meetings, but also go out to dinner. And yeah, that was kind of a whole new experience in a way. I know lots of people in their business and in their careers do that all the time, but not me. So yeah, there was my sort of take on that recently as well. Anyway, all of that is at beingfreelance.com. Obviously, it's on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and watching and reading, please do tell other freelancers about it. Spread it on your social media feeds and streams, whatever you ones you tend to use. And also in person you know, uh, networking events or co-working places or wherever it might be. Right, I'll shut up. Let's crack on and say hi to Tia Myers, who is a social media consultant based in New York. Hey, Tia. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. So tell us your story. Let's hear how you got started being freelance. Sure. So just over two years ago, I was at a tech startup and we were doing very well. And it was about 66 people at the time. But unfortunately, Apple came out with a similar product to our own and it really hurt our business. So we had a large layoff and I had no idea what to do. So I started looking into full-time jobs and I had one of my favorite clients who I still have today reach out to me because we previously worked together at that startup. She was an illustrator to ask for some help with social media. And I started working with her, still was looking into full-time jobs. And then I went to work for a hospitality agency because I had always wanted to work with restaurants doing their social media. I just 
love the restaurant and hospitality business and who doesn't love getting free food as part of their job. <laughs> so I went to go work for them and the boss was a bit younger, just about a year older than me. And there was a lot of verbal abuse to me and the other employees. And I stayed there for about a month and was like, why the heck am I here? So I quit and said, why am I not just doing this for myself? So after that, I went to freelance and have not turned back since. Wow. Uh, Just to put things in perspective then, when was it that you left that company and went out on your own? I'd say August two years ago. Cool. So where were those first clients coming from? You obviously had the confidence to do it. (laughs) Yes. So a lot of it was through recommendation, thankfully. And then once I put up my portfolio site and actually told people on LinkedIn, I started getting some great feedback and brought on a few of my first clients. I had a protein powder based startup company. I had a restaurant and I had my illustrator and those were my first few clients. And what was your role in that, you know, in a startup that got tramped by Apple? Was it social media that you were doing there? I was managing partnerships and community. So working on social media, partnerships, and at a startup, you're wearing many hats. So anything that involved marketing was part of the job. Mm. And so were there lots of lessons and things that you took from that experience? Oh, so many. I use them today just as much as when I was there. But we were a startup and we always were innovating new ideas. And a lot of that was through beta testing with we had about 30 million downloads to our app. And I learned so much just in the marketing department itself between pitching to press and talking to different partners. We worked with GE and Red and Charity Water. I worked on sponsorships with the app. I worked on networking, which is a huge part of my job today. So they really helped me get my hands dirty in all different areas. And I probably wouldn't be able to be so confident that I am today without having to be in that situation. Mm. So, And did it help you from a sort of business perspective? Definitely. I was able to tell a great story with the work that I did there through their social media. And I had illustrators and artists because we were an art app who worked with us directly through the app and they were able to see my work. And that's when I went to freelance and different people started reaching out to me. So with the work that I did there, I was able to showcase that in my portfolio to go into freelance and say, hey, these are the projects that I worked on with them. This is what I was able to do. Let me do that for you. That's awesome. And so how much time, especially early on, was spent networking and putting yourself out there? And has that changed? It's a daily hustle. So networking never ends when you're freelance, which I love and is exhausting at the same time. So that's one of the things that brought me to creating my own community called Freelancing Females, 
because once you start to get to know other freelancers, they all know of different projects and you can all support each other in that way. So that's been a big part of my networking. And then just in general, if there's somebody or a company that you're very interested in working in and with, I reach out. It's what's the worst that's ever going to happen besides them saying, hey, we're too busy or no. So that's one of the things that I had to get over when I just started freelancing is not being able to reach out to them and just ask like, hey, you want to grab a coffee? I'm right down the street. Cool. So Freelancing Females is the community that you set up. And that's a Facebook group, right? Yes. So we started as a Facebook group last year. We're just under a year old and we have 8,000 women from all around the world. Our biggest community is in New York because that's where we started. But we have London, San Francisco, LA, Austin, Texas, and Paris are some of our other bigger communities. And we are working on a larger launch very soon with a website and many other surprises. So I'm really excited. Cool. And what does that take from, um, you know, from a time and energy perspective, sort of organizing a group like that and managing it? Because if everybody posts something, for example, that it goes through you first, is that right? Yes. So we do have it set that everything that's posted or anyone who asks to join the group does have to go through the admin first. And I just offboarded approvals through the Facebook group to my friend <laughs> because we receive about 50 to 150 a day and we ask for email. So that's one of the larger tasks that we have. And then we get about 10 to 20 posts a day. And those posts will include questions from different freelancers. And our group is very supportive and highly engaged jobs. So a lot of women share jobs that they have openings for, no friends who have openings. And then we have a new discussion called what to charge. And that has been very helpful in the space because People don't know where to go to find out what to charge for their services. And it's a scary discussion to many. But if we start opening up that discussion to others, we're all helping ourselves. Because if somebody is charging $20 more than you, but they're in the same space and they're doing really well, raise your rates. And getting people who are charging $15 an hour to raise their rates helps us also. So it's been a really great discussion this year. That's cool. So, man, that is such a lot of things coming your way each day, though, you know, in terms of posts and stuff that need to be approved. How long did it take for you to realize that maybe you needed help with that? Oh, it took me longer than I should have. And I am now a big believer in asking for help. But it's really hard to ask for help because the group has been volunteer based and it's pretty much been me volunteering my time and my money for the last year. And it's hard to ask someone, hey, I don't have the money to pay you, but I could really use help. And the women have been so amazing. And I'm really lucky. But they usually say, hey, I've received a job or, you know, I've learned so much just being in it. I'm happy to help. And I was doing 
just 10 to 15 hours a week managing the Facebook group before. It was a lot of work. And to build a community, you have to stay engaged. You have to make sure that there's no spam going through the group. It's very important to keep it pretty organized, especially in a Facebook group where so many things are happening and information can get lost. Yeah. Did that feel overwhelming? A bit. It was definitely overwhelming, but it was also exciting at the same time just seeing how many people are really interested to join. That's been the largest thing is just seeing that excitement of, hey, I just joined this group. I I got a job out of it. Or people come up to me and they say, hey, I was at a conference and somebody told me to join and now I'm at one of your events. So it's been really exciting to see the community grow. And I was able to go to London this year, even though we had to cancel our event due to snow. Um, But I've been able to travel and meet freelance women all around the world, which has been even more exciting to me. And it's so worth it. It's so unlucky. We hardly ever get snow. I know. I was like, of course, the one day. (laughs) That's so unlucky. But wow, I mean, what a connection. And and has that helped? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you're doing it in a very sort of altruistic sort of way. But has it helped you with work as well? Yeah. So people find me because they see me running the Facebook group, which is one great way. They also see my work in building this community. And social media is such a huge part of building a community around your product or business. So it's definitely helped me. But in general, it helps me learn a lot around having my own personal business, finances, the laws around it. There's just so much information freelancers need to know versus being on a nine to five. You're wearing your financial hat, you're wearing your lawyer hat, you're making your own contracts. So each day I learn a lot from the women in the group and we all chat about, hey, what do you put in your contract or what happens if a client says this to you or does this? So it's been a lot of help to me in general also. Mm. How do you manage like your week, your time? You've you've got that sizable project now, but obviously you're, you've got more and more client work coming in as well. Yeah. How do you cope with managing your time? Yeah. So freelancing females is a huge passion project and we want to grow it even bigger to bring more resources to freelancers in general. So I have scaled back some of my clients to be able to work on that this summer, but I have to pay rent in New York City. So that's one thing where I try to keep my meetings on specific days. So I'll say Tuesday and Thursday, I'll do meetings. So I'm not running around the entire city and being distracted all day, every day. I use Calendly now, which is amazing. So I use that to help me set up my calendars and my meeting times so I can send somebody my calendar and say, hey, please add yourself And this 30-minute calendar, it's taken away so many emails back and forth, trying to figure out a time. And then another thing is just really staying organized. I use Asana for that. And then volunteers who help me with freelancing females has been huge. And I am so grateful and thankful to them. Mm. And then how about fitting in life around all of that? Well, living in New York, there's so much life that's possible. And I tried to be very good at 
cutting off work at a time because with freelance, you could literally be working every minute of every day to make more money and you're just going to get burnt out. So with freelancing females, that time has definitely dwindled a lot, but I try to at least like every morning I get myself out of the house for a few hours. I go to a coffee shop and I get work done there. And then at night I stop, I make dinner, we go out with friends. There's always an opportunity in New York and I'm very lucky for having the friend group that we have and they're all pretty close. So can walk down the street or they're in my building. With your work, you know, like if I look on your site, you have a lot of different services and I'm wondering how that's evolved over the past couple of years. You know, you're obviously in that startup and you mentioned innovating and coming up with new ideas over time. Are you doing things that maybe you didn't think you'd be doing or recognizing needs? How's that changed? Oh, completely. So when I first started freelancing, I was doing all the things. I was like, I will help you build your website on Squarespace because I don't know design that well. And I will take your photography and I'll manage your social media channels. And after a few different clients, and once you go through clients, you learn so much because you are adding to your contracts, you're going through these clients and learning what you like and what you don't love. So my services have dwindled down a lot. So I mainly consult on social media for smaller companies. I will manage their social media channels. And then my favorite thing is to run strategy on their social media. So last year I had a 92 location restaurant where I managed their strategy, created their calendars, and then offboarded that for them to go off and do it on their own. So that's my favorite part of the job, but it depends on the opportunity that comes up and it depends on the client. And if there's something that I feel either I'm going to learn a lot from, or I'm really excited about, my proposal will change. I was just speaking with a client who said, hey, you know know marketing and you know social media, and I want to do a rebrand of my company and I'm going to be spending $200,000, but I don't know anything in that space. Will you be my point person and my project manager for that project? And I was like, I would love to because going through an entire rebrand process and logo creation and branding and color options and telling that story is really exciting to me and being able to have that budget and go through it step by step is something I'm really interested in learning. And I'll never have that to go through for freelancing females. So it's something I would love to try. When you're doing that, which is an awesome opportunity, are you going to be hiring other freelancers through you, as in it's all coming through you, or are you organizing things and then it goes over to the client to deal with those people? And like, how's that going to work? Yeah, so I try to keep pretty lean, When I did the strategy last year, I hired out a photographer and a designer through the company. So I didn't hire them out myself. They were being paid directly through the company. I usually try to recommend people from my network if I can. And sometimes I will bring on, say, if I have a bunch of different clients at that time, a copywriter who can help me with multiple projects. And it definitely helps because outsourcing, people are very afraid to outsource. And I understand why it's 
it's just a different area that a lot of people don't understand yet, but it's so helpful. And if you can bring somebody on, that's going to do an even better job than you can in that category, you, your services will become even better. So if I know a copywriter who specializes in healthcare, they're going to do a much better job on that project than I'm going to do. Or I will be happy to tell my client, hey, I think this person is much better for, for photography than I am. And with that, they're much more appreciative. They completely trust you after that. And you know what you're really great at and you know when to bring somebody in. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. What would you say has been the sort of biggest challenges that you faced? since becoming freelance? Yeah. So one of my first challenges, which is one of the reasons why I started freelancing females was I was going through a non-payment issue with a client and it has come up more often than I thought it would have, especially in New York, which is why they did the Freelance Isn't Free Act last year, which has helped slightly. But going through a non-payment issue was difficult. Nobody knows what to do and there's no source to go to. So when I was going through the non-payment issue, I had found out there were a couple other freelancers from the company dealing with the same issue and we hadn't been paid for a couple of months and we're getting the runaround like, hey, you know, we'll get it over to you. And I said, you're past due. So what I did was become the biggest nuisance possible because when you're going through a non-payment issue, either the client can go bankrupt within the time that you're going to go to small claims court or talk to a lawyer who's going to be even more money than you're even getting paid. So I showed up there and I was like, hey, I am going to be there on Friday morning at this time waiting for my check. And of course, they don't want their other employees to see that. So they handed me a check and I walked out the door with the other freelancer and got an email message 30 minutes later that they had given me a fraudulent check and not to cash it. But thankfully, we got them in the email saying that and just said like, hey, this is literally illegal. We are going to go to the police now that you're telling us that you did this. So finally, we got paid. But that was one. One of the harder things that I've had to go through and I learned a lot from, and I have many more clauses in my contracts about 50% up front and getting paid within 14 days, not 30 days. And thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't really had to go through that as much. Flipping egg. That takes some confidence to go up there in person as well, though. It does, but when you're living in New York and you have rent and bills to pay, it's it's something that you are going to go do. And it was a larger company, and it was just so surprising to me that they were giving me the runaround when they had 50 other employees. And so it's anyone will do it to you. And I hear so many stories through freelancing females and it drives me crazy. But thankfully now we have new acts involved that the freelancers union helped with, which was great. 
Yeah, so just for, for people around the world who might not know about that, so freelancers' unions are a bit like we have this thing called Ipsy in this country. So they, they kind of stick up for freelancers towards government and stuff like that, right? So so what was um, what was the Freelance Isn't Free Act? What did that actually mean? So the Freelance Isn't Free Act is brand new. It just came out last year, and it really protects workers from getting paid within 30 days, and they will stick their head out for you within the government, which is something new for freelancers because it was kind of you were on your own before, and now you actually have somewhere to go and say, hey, I wasn't paid, and I had a contract, and this is what it said, and they owe me money. And it really keeps companies more accountable. So, so do you think it's more the bringing it to the attention of companies that they won't get away with it that is maybe going to have an effect? I'd say so. I believe that since the act became involved, it has definitely helped. And it's given freelancers more confidence in general just to know that you're not on your own. And if if it goes over that 30 days, who is it that you're going to when you said you can go to them and say, hey, I haven't been paid? Who is it that you're going to? So it's a government law now, and it's by nyc.gov. So you can go to them and they can recover a civil penalty of $25,000 for you. And the law requires them to receive complaints, create a court navigation program, and gather data and report on it. Wow. But you also mentioned that you yourself, you know, have taken your own action. You've put in 14-day terms. Has that helped? Like, do people go over the 14-day terms, but at least maybe they pay before 30 days? Yes. So that's definitely helped. One of the biggest things is 50% up front, because then I know that you're going to pay me. If you have a problem with paying me 50% up front, then I know there's going to be a problem later on. So that's one of the big things. And with 14 days, at least I know, hey, I'm not waiting an entire month to get paid. And then another whole month goes by and I'm dealing with this issue. At least I know that I've only done 14 more days of work and I can stop my work. And until you pay me, that's you're not getting anything, you're not receiving anything from me. And I also have a late payment. So every seven days that you're late past the 14 days is, I believe, 0.2%. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, what about vacations, like taking time off? Yeah, I haven't taken a real vacation without work in a long time. And I'd say that is one of the hard parts of freelance is you're always on. And unless you can find somebody that you really trust to take over your work, it's it's hard to be off during vacation. So if I'm managing social media channels for a client, I'll usually calendar out everything make sure it's approved and then schedule that content. So I know that it's going up and I just need to check on it and make sure everything is going smoothly. I do now know a few women who offer travel packages. So they'll take over your work and they work as social media managers and they'll take over your work for that week, which is great. And that's definitely what I'm going to do next time. That's cool. Yes, yeah, so I've spotted that that kind of need as well 
in in other freelancers as a sort of as a service yeah well there's not that you don't give yourself vacation so it's one of the hard parts of freelance is what do you do when you go out to the Bahamas or somewhere else? Usually if I'm traveling, I am working and it's hard for a freelancer because it's all you and you don't have a coworker to give it off to. But virtual assistants are definitely a huge help. I just started looking into that via some recommendations. So just keeping the small tasks getting finished is one of the larger parts of just being able to enjoy your vacation. Yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Tia? Okay. So I have, let's see, I am absolutely in love with chocolate. I have to eat a piece of chocolate every day. I once went to Turks and Caicos without a hotel room and was going to sleep on the beach until I got my hotel room in the morning. And I once had to act like a rabbit on stage. Well, these are cohesive. All right. So where did you go? You went on holiday, but without having booked a hotel. Yeah. I thought, it's okay. I'll sleep on the beach. That sounds safe. Yeah, it was It was super safe. Turtles do it once a year. <laughs> I'm not even giving birth. What's the problem? I mean, Turks and Caicos seems like one of the safer islands to do that. And did you actually sleep on the beach then? No. <laughs> the friend that I was with thought I was absolutely insane. And, and made you get a hotel room? Yeah, I had to go find a hotel in Turks and Caicos that day. Thank goodness. You're, that's why you're still here. Um, you eat chocolate every day. I mean, pfft. I mean, I don't see any reason why that can't be true. It's funny. My daughter the other day was listening to a song from the stage show Matilda, and it was all—it was called "When I Grow Up," and it was all about when I grow up. And then the little girls in the song are imagining the things that grown-ups get to do, and they say, "I will eat sweets every day." And I thought, "Yeah, I kind of do." The idea of the song was that that would be ridiculous, but I was thinking, "No, I pretty much do." So I don't see anything wrong with eating chocolate every day. Maybe I should. You were a rabbit. When were you a rabbit on stage? Had to go to a comedy club, and it was probably one of the weirdest comedy shows I have ever seen. And they brought you up on stage, and my task was to act like a rabbit. Of course, I was in the front row, so I got tasked to do that. It wasn't too bad, though. <sighs> okay, these, I, I've, I've absolutely, I mean, I don't know why, why would you make up the chocolate? I, okay. I'm going to say chocolate is a lie, and you're going to say something like you're you're allergic to chocolate if you ate chocolate every day. It's true. Yes. Well, not that <laughs> you're allergic. Are you allergic to chocolate? No, no. So I've just never liked sweets or chocolate. Oh my, in my god! Life. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, the fact that you just don't like them must help you so much. <laughs> it's yeah, like- it was just like never fun during birthdays because. They'd be like, well, why aren't you eating a birthday cake? And I'm like, I'd rather a pickle. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yeah. But one thing about the Turks and Caicos, I used to work at JetBlue. So I flew standby and I had a hotel the day after, but I knew if I didn't get on the plane the day before, I wasn't getting on because the standby, it was completely full to get on the plane. 
So that's the fun part of working on an airline is you get to fly for free, but you have to make sure there's an extra seat available. And I had one at the Christmas party, a spot to go to this hotel for a few days. And I was like, it'll be fine. We'll just stay up and sleep on the beach or something. And then I got there and I told my friend and they were like, no, we're finding somewhere. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I'd say don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. And that includes like asking people for help on different tasks or how they put together their packages or going to someone and asking, what do you charge? Those were a lot of questions that took me a long time to get the confidence to ask. And it has helped me completely in freelance. But another thing is to not be afraid to show yourself more because when you are freelance, there are thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people doing exactly what you do. And they're going to hire you for you and your personality. Mm, yeah, that's so true. So yeah, it's okay not to know the answers to and ask other freelancers. Exactly. It's, it's not a scary world. And a lot of people feel like it's such a secret for many things and you're just helping each other if you talk about it go to beingfreelance.com there are links through to what all of our guests get up to so you can find uh, Tia's website and find her on Instagram and of course for the freelance females Facebook group as well we'll put a link through to their freelancing females is what it's called isn't it so yeah you can uh, go take a look at that if you are freelancing and female one would imagine and yes go and uh, say hi on Facebook and Instagram and all of that and of course while you're at the website check out the other guests read the articles see the videos as well and sign up for the newsletter that's all at beingfreelance.com but Tia thank you so much all the best both with the work and with freelancing females and yeah all the best being freelance thanks so much for having me Steve I really appreciate it so there we go. How nice was she? Thanks very much to Tia. Just a couple of things that I wanted to pick up on, but I, I, I meant to at the time and I didn't. One was way back near the beginning when she was talking about all the admin that goes with the Facebook group because partly they ask people to like fill in a form, give their email address when they sign up. Now, if you've ever joined a Facebook group, you don't normally have to do that. But the reason they're doing it is because they want to make sure they've got that strong community off of Facebook as well as on the Facebook that whole thing of not building your brand or your business on rented ground that you may have heard of before the, the idea that you know if facebook suddenly closed down groups or started charging for groups and things like that then your community is still safe so that's why she's asking for email so um just in case you're growing a community or thinking about it i thought i've mentioned that and the other thing was that uh, the freelance isn't free act there is a link at beingfreelance.com so you can read up about it it is only in new york city as far as i can see however take a read and if you've got any influence over your country's politicians if you're a member of ipsy for example here in the uk maybe they can lobby your our government or where, whichever country you're in there, there must be a way if it's working in new york city because it's been going for like a year now that that perhaps this can be replicated and protect freelancers around the world so let's let's not just think oh well it's just in new york why can't it be where you are too so yeah go take a look beingfreelance.com thanks very much have a great week being freelance